0: God's love language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enlow. Hey. Thank you, thank you. You are too kind. I am Joe Enlow and this is God's love language with Joe Enlow. Greetings and welcome back. This is a podcast designed to make disciples for God all over the world, all over the world. On this podcast, I would like to say hello to our listeners and friends in my hometown of Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. I was raised in the 77023 zip code area until I joined the army and left there when I was 18 years old. I attended Rufus Cage Elementary back when it was located at Telephone Road and Baird Street, Stonewall Jackson Junior High School, and Stephen F. Austin High School, at least for a short time. I dropped out of high school after the first six weeks of the 11th grade. I had gotten married when I was 16. I needed to take care of business. If you're a listener from Houston, drop me a hello message at jandloa.godslovelanguage.com. I would appreciate hearing from you. Well... We are in the middle of our series on the individual, or you and me, our relationship with God. This is the third episode. So if you haven't heard episodes 21 and 22, I would suggest that you start with those two to fully understand or comprehend what we are discussing. This relationship, the individual with God, is the first relationship created by God with a human. It is also the most important. I have made it clear that the quality and nature of all your other relationships you have will be a direct reflection of the one you have with God. Before we get too far into this episode, though, I felt the Lord telling me to say something. Let me say something about being a Christian or trying to be like Jesus here on earth. My podcasts deal with certain aspects of humanity, biology, psychology, sociology, neuroscience, etc., with an emphasis on how to change your sinful human behavior to line up with the Word of God. When you equip yourself with the knowledge we offer here, you become a student of God's Word and then add the main ingredient, which is the Holy Spirit, then you can learn to live as a devoted disciple, a renewed person where you can bring glory to God by the life you live. Keep this in mind as you make changes in your life. When it comes to the sciences of psychology and sociology, there are so many variables involved when trying to study the behavior of individuals or a group of individuals that experimenters cannot account for all the possible differences in our reactions. We all have reacted to and experienced so many different types of life events that it is impossible to measure and calculate what is absolute normal or perfect cause and effect. You know, the Bible contains behavioral suggestions that would seem contrary to how others, especially unsaved individuals, would think you should act given a particular experience. But I have found that these suggestions really are the best, even if it does not seem so at the time, the suggestions that the Bible offers. Now, I do believe that if we were all serving God and having the type of relationship God wanted with each of us and sin would not have entered the world, we would be acting more alike than not, and cause and effect would be more predictable in human behavior. But that is in a perfect, sinless world. On earth, we have all become who we are because of our experiences and our reaction to those experiences. Remember, Our teachings on the biology of our beliefs, our reactions to our experiences, are the most important element in determining our personality and outlook on life. Here's the point I want to make. We are human, and everything I have been teaching you about changing to be more Christ-like is to be strived for. With that being said, do not get discouraged and quit trying to change if you experience setbacks. It may seem like you take one step forward and two steps back at times. Remember the parable of the sower in Matthew? Do not be the first of the first three sets of seeds the farmer planted in that particular parable. One failed to take root at all and the message was stolen by the birds. One failed to take deep root and died, choked choked off by the weeds. One gave up because of worldly pressure. You are human with a sin nature that needs to be changed. And particularly if... The older you are, the more needs to be changed. You will have failures. You will feel like giving up. You will have friends who think you're crazy. You will feel lonely at times. You may even cry and call out for God to do something. I do not know anyone who is a solid Christian that hasn't wanted to give up. It is part of the training. It is what will make your relationship so special with God. You will learn to rely totally on God, and that is what he wants. Then all the other things will be added to you. You are training for reigning, but you are human and will make mistakes. That's when God's grace kicks in. He looks at your heart, your intent. Satan will tell you or try to tell you you're not worthy or not good enough. And he's right if you don't have Jesus. But thanks be to God. We are forgiven and are justified through the work of the cross. And now we work on our regeneration and sanctification. Jesus' sacrifice made you worthy and good enough. Paul said that being a Christian is like running a marathon. You must keep going even when you feel like quitting. If you quit, the thing you will regret most is the in the end is that you did not try it. Or that you gave up. Have none of that. Success is not becoming a perfect Christian. I'm not even sure that a perfect Christian exists. Success is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And then becoming as much like the human Jesus as possible. If you become successful in your individual relationship with God, then maybe go on to find you will go on to find someone else or a mate that has done the same then you two can get together and reproduce little ones who have a better chance to be successful in their relationship with God. Or if you choose to remain single, you move and operate within your calling to bring glory to God. Remember this as you seek to change and renew your mind. Don't forget to give yourself some love, grace, and mercy. Your history is just that, history. Learn from it, move on. It's okay to fail, just as long as you get Back up and try again. Okay, that was for anyone that God told me to say that to. Now, in the last episode, I tell you I was going to discuss the pillars of worship and prayer, and how they help renew your mind and behavior, how they help you de- deepen your relationship with God as an individual. Remember. Your strong relationship with God will sustain you in your relationship with a spouse, your children, with all others you engage with daily. Even if you are already married and have children, you must continually work on your relationship with God. Pursuing God will do wonders for your marriage, and it sets the example for your children. Okay, worship and prayer. These are a gift from God. Not only does God crave your worship and prayer time, when you worship Him and pray to Him, it affects you by... Calming you, healing your hurts, erases your loneliness, and builds your faith, just to them a few. Worship and prayer involve giving gratitude to God and others. A new study from Harvard came out this past August. It confirmed what I am saying, along with several other ones that have been done before it. They describe gratitude this way. The word gratitude is derived from the Latin word gratia which means grace, graciousness, and gratefulness, depending on the context. In some ways, gratitude encompasses all these meanings. Gratitude is a thankful appreciation for what an individual receives, whether tangible or intangible. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. In the process, people usually recognize that the source of that goodness, lies at least partially outside themselves. As a result, being grateful also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, nature, or a higher power. Imagine Harvard, which is mostly secular nowadays. They said that. Maybe connection to a higher power. The study went on to say, in positive psychology research, Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with a greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Gratitude is a way for people to appreciate what they have instead of always reaching for something new in the hopes it will make them happier or thinking they can't feel satisfied until every physical and material need is met. Gratitude helps people refocus on what they have instead of what they lack. And although it may feel contrived at first, this mental state grows stronger with use and practice. So what are you saying, Joe? I'm saying that worship and prayer is not only desired from you by God. When you do it, it changes the very fabric of your body and brain that will benefit your physical as well as your spiritual being. It will change you. That is why I call them pillars. Some of you have been hurt so bad you do not think anyone is worthy of your gratitude, or a particular person is worthy of your gratitude, or that you have none to give hogwash. Even the secular article I referred to said that if religious people pray, they can use prayer to cultivate gratitude. Not about you, remember. When you worship and pray, it is your body, your humanity, doing what it was created to do. It takes all focus off you and gives it to God where it is supposed to be. Worship is all about God, not about us. If the Holy Spirit is living in you, or is living in your temple, your body is a temple, that's what the Scripture says, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, then praise and worship coming from you is energizing your whole body, lighting up your whole temple of worship, and glorifying its Lord, Creator, and Savior. It doesn't get much more Christian than that. Imagine, if you can, your children sitting around your chair and seriously telling you how great and awesome you are and even writing songs about you. Or how, how would that make you feel? And If it wasn't your children, then maybe some friends. I know that's a stretch, but hopefully you get the idea. It would make you want to continue to do the good that caused that admiration in the first place. It is the same for God. Your praise confirms your understanding of, of who God really is and what he really does for you and others. Try writing a love song for your spouse or significant other or even a parent and see how they react. It could be said that worship is the controlling attitude of the spiritual life. When you are a believer, everything that we do is a form of worship. When you think about it, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. The word says it could be mowing the grass teaching, shopping, whatever it is, do it all as unto God. Pretend he's watching, because he is. And if you're doing it with that attitude, then God receives it. It becomes an attitude to the Father and the authority of the Son by the power of the Spirit. It is also a sign of your maturity and comfort in your walk with God. What do you mean? Are you embarrassed to sing aloud when by yourself? Or when others are around, are you embarrassed to let people know you are a Christian? How about raising your hands in praise and worship, clapping, jumping for joy, kneeling in spontaneous prayer or something? Have you ever yelled and screamed and clapped at a sporting event? Or when you were watching one on TV? Or watching your children play sports? Does God deserve the same attention that you give your favorite sports team? Uh, I would think so. Think about it. If God is truly the God of your life, you should have no reservations for spontaneous praise and worship. This is a real sign of the depth of your relationship with God. It definitely takes time to be comfortable with it in front of others. So start in the privacy of your prayer and worship space. Work up from there. David did it. Check out his Psalms. If worship is when we give to God, then prayer is God giving to us. The central theme behind prayer is the idea of asking. But remember, you are still asking in accordance with his will, not yours. Even Jesus did this, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done, he said. It's all about God. God giving to me according to his plan for me. Prayer is provided so that we get to come to him. It is your pouring your heart out to God. How he hears You verbalize the desires of your hearts. That's how he hears it. You have to say it to him. He knows them before you verbalize them, but your prayer time with him is important for your relationship. A major complaint in human relationships is a lack of communication. God is the same way. He wants to hear your voice and hear you ask for guidance. Remember, he is a jealous God. There should be nothing in your life more important than him. Spending prayer time with Him is one way to show how much you care for your relationship with Him. Understand this. God always answers prayer. Always. But the answer may be no. If you are new to Christianity and feel you do not know how to pray, just start talking to God by saying what is on your mind and heart. How would you, your parents have reacted if you sat with them and shared what was on your mind out of honor for their position as parents. How would you feel as a parent if your children did that to you? I guarantee that most parents would have been overjoyed to have their children seek their input like that. Remember what it says in James five sixteen: the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. A righteous man or woman seeks a closer relationship with God. Prayer is one of the most powerful vehicles to accomplish that. Amen. Okay, starting next month, I will be talking about how we as individuals need to learn some wisdom from the offices of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Again, we are seeking what we're seeking are some of the attributes of their offices, the characteristics of those offices, not proving or disproving they exist. I will show you that understanding how those offices operated can improve your relationship with God. Until then, may God bless you, and may his face shine upon you. May he keep illness and sickness far from you and yours. Take us out, Deanna. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlo at godslovelanguage.com.